Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over there and start using it now. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. All right, guys, welcome back. EYL. Um, a few weeks ago, probably like a couple months ago, actually, um, we started because people always ask all the time, like, you know, how do I get on the podcast? How can I get on the podcast? So we we have a variety of different um, ways to bring people on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Like some people we know personally, some people get referred, some people we reach out to. Um, so what we wanted to do also is to have like kind of like like. Uh, open audition for lack of a better word where it's like we do Instagram live and then people just come on and then they just talk and then it's like let's put their business yeah, they, got a, they got a compelling story and we something that we haven't covered it's like let's bring people like our supporters like you know what I mean because that's yeah. a way to actually engage the community as well it's like we have a bunch of supporters so let's bring some of our supporters um, yeah. on and um, people that we may not have known about so yeah, it keeps the community alive that way you'll always have people because either people are coming up with ideas or they're hearing ideas and they're actually saying listen Next year, I'm going to be on your show. And the response is always the same. I can't wait. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. So for sure. So Carl Pierre, um, he came on an Instagram live about a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago. And uh, when he came on, he was spending a lot of information about the healthcare industry and a bunch of stuff. And um, everybody that was on the live watching it, um, they agreed like, yo, you should get him Let on the him podcast. In. Let him on. Let so, him so we set up a time. And actually, it was crazy because obviously that was before this whole COVID-19 outbreak. So we couldn't do it in person. We had to reschedule it. And now we're setting it up on a Zoom. So I'm going to do the introduction. 
Um, so Carl, he's interesting because we haven't covered the healthcare industry and it's ironic that we're covering it now. It's like perfect timing. No, no better time than now. Um, but the healthcare industry makes up 18% of the US GDC. It's a $3.6 trillion industry. Mm. And it's, it's so vast. Like there's so many different um, fields within the healthcare yeah. industry, right? So we can only imagine that number's going up. Of course. So yeah. only thing that we, we hear on the news right now is healthcare because of obviously what's going on with COVID-19. Yeah, global um, health crisis. Yeah, exact. Epidemic, um, pandemic. Pandemic, yeah. Um, so, but Carl's interesting because even before this, he's he's been an entrepreneur in the healthcare space. So mm -hmm. he has a uh, home nurse staffing company with over 300 employees um, where they uh, help people like elderly people yeah. things like that, like a long-term care situation yeah. where they, you know, they um, deploy uh, nurses to people's homes. And then he also... It's called Avalanche Care. And then he also has a software company that he's built for medical payroll. Mm. Um, that's pretty interesting, called On Time ITS. ITS. Yep. And then he has a new a new venture called Aid Book. So um, we're going to talk about all that stuff. It's a lot going on. But first and foremost, call. Thank you. Appreciate it. What's up, man? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, definitely watch the show. been paying attention. And uh, it's good to be, to be able to spit some game to the people and, and really show them that there's a pathway to whatever level of success that you that you want, and I'm going to try to at least show them the pathway through through health healthcare at least. Um, and I also do so on my channel, which uh, I'm not sure if you guys ever checked out, but um, I show exactly how to invest in real estate, and I'm now showing my process of how to start a home care agency and scale it up. So anybody who's interested can continue to follow that story and, and really learn how to go about that that's the entp uh, life right yeah entp life. come on man we've been watching you <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's let's talk about the backstory so you um you know west indian descent shout out to the haitian massive Safase. Safase. so um yeah you know choice jamaican so yeah. um you said that uh your your family you come from a line of of healthcare workers right yeah. which is right. not which is not uncommon um for a West lot Indian, of West Indian is right. It was West Indian families. Be a doctor, be a doctor, be a doctor. Nurse, doctor, practitioner, things of that nature. Um, so, all right. But you said that, um, you know, your family were, were healthcare workers and you are, you're a healthcare entrepreneur. So can you talk about that as far as your backstory into coming into the health field and what made you transition your family's trajectory from being a healthcare worker to being a healthcare entrepreneur? Gotcha. So, well... I guess the story starts, I mean, I've, all my life. My mom was in nursing school while she was pregnant with me, right? So I always saw her work, and she was, you know, working in the hospitals in New York City during the AIDS epidemic. So it was a constant bit of conversation in the house, what's going on in healthcare, how to take care of yourself, um, what are the trends. And I saw her progress from being a staff nurse to a floor supervisor to an assistant director of a nursing home. So she was always progressive in her career. And my father was a respiratory therapist, uh, still working. He's, and he's dealing with a lot with COVID-19. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine. And he's a respiratory therapist. So every patient that's coming they're in. All is, coming to see him. All coming to see him. So for them, their vision for all their children was to work in healthcare. And of course, be a doctor, right? Uh, <laughs> so one of my brothers is a physician. And, um, and yeah, so essentially... The idea was always that we would go the, the doctor route, right? So I didn't start thinking about, I guess, something, something. business until I was like 
about 13, 14 years old because my mom started a nurse staffing firm. She was working at a nursing home and they were using what they call agency nurses. And she was like, well, why don't I just start, why don't I just start an agency and get my friends from other hospitals to work for me and be one of your providers. And that's where that company uh, started. But my mom has like zero computer skills. So when it was time to create the documents, it was me making the documents. When it was time to create spreadsheets, to do the invoicing, to manage QuickBooks, anything that was on a computer was me, right? Because I was the kind of computer geek of my household. So I was like, oh, Carl, I need this. Can you know how to make this? Can you get, get it out of the computer? So it was always me and my mom working on that side of the business. Um, so when I went to college, I ended up expanding the business into Long Island. And every lesson that, <laughs> that I took that I could kind of like learn from to, to bring that knowledge back to the business, I did. And I ended up studying uh, health technology and management with a concentration in radiology, uh, radiological studies. And that was to become an x-ray tech and a CAT scan technologist and an MRI technologist. And I chose that path because I wanted to have flexibility in when I worked, right? Because there's certain positions in healthcare that are 24 seven, and there's some of them that are only like nine to five. And I didn't want to choose a career path within healthcare that would narrow me down to work in nine to five, because I knew I needed to have the nine to five, the business hours free to expand on my business. So that was kind of the reason why I chose x-ray because it's, you know, where x-ray techs are working all shifts, they're doing CAT scan at night, or they could flex into MRI. So I thought that that was going to be the best fit for me. And plus, I knew that I would have work as well. And I, I never, you know, and this is a, a message to anybody who's, who's thinking about going entrepreneurial route. I never like to not have a guaranteed income from somewhere. And I felt like if I'm, if I can work nights and I can work weekends and use all of my free time during the day to, to focus on the business, then I'm going to do that. But I'm never going to sacrifice the potential to earn. And that's one of the things that is pretty special about, about healthcare is because, you know, a nurse can work, you know, three, three days a week, three 13 hour shifts or three 12 hour shifts, be full time and then have four days a week, you know, on a nurse's salary at that four days a week to focus on whatever else it is that, that you want it's to like, it's like It's like a firefighter. It's like a firefighter. Like a lot of firefighters, they work like two 24-hour shifts. And that's it. And then they got and the rest done. of the week where they can do, you know, a variety, whatever else they want to do in life. So it's like you can be a real estate entrepreneur. You can work another job if you want. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty flexible hours. So let me ask you this. As far as the um, healthcare industry, it's something that pretty much is recession-proof. Um, there's a shortage. It's like the only, especially nurses, there's the only profession, I think, that, is extremely on demand right now mm -hmm. where everybody else is, is firing people. And it's like, they can't find enough nurses, especially where we're at in New York. Um, so as far as that is concerned, right. For an entrepreneur, cause we're going to get in the business model of it. Um, how did you like, what was the steps for you to start your, your home? Um, is it, I don't, I don't want to misquote it. It's a home nursing service, home long-term nursing service. Home care agency. Home care Lexus agency. Home care service agency. Okay. And in New York, they call them Lixas and Chas. There's two types, actually. But it it started first as a staffing firm, which is very simple. To start a staffing firm, you just need to incorporate yourself. You need to have a contract that says that you're going to be providing, you know, uh, contracted services. 
a rate sheet that says how much you're charging and you're in business literally for less than a thousand dollars you can start a, a, a nursing agency right because and it's it's actually mislabeled as a nursing agency because you're not you're not taking a percentage of the wages of that employee so like in new york city you could get a license to be an agency through uh consumer affairs so and that's a very easy process but that's because you're charging a fee to the person that you that you're getting the job for right a staffing firm is different because those people work for your company and you're assigning them to work in a hospital in a nursing home or something like that and you're charging the hospital a fee taking your cut and then paying your employee so it's not by definition an agency but they just refer to them as agency nurses well that's what where, where, did, where did the idea for the staffing agency come, right? So you're doing x-rays. You deviated from the plan of being a doctor. Um, mm -hmm. Was it from the influx of people coming into the hospital and seeing that there was a shortage? Where did the influence come from? Well, the influence came from my mom. Um, she just saw uh, an opportunity for a money grab. And she was like, well, if I, I know several nurses myself, and I'm a nurse. So if I could start this, then I could just pull my friends together, and we could provide services to these, you know, understaffed hospitals and nursing homes. So that's where the idea came from. I, I got to give, give her that. But being exposed to that at 14 years old made and seeing what the numbers were made it like, okay, this is a no brainer for me to, to kind of expand on that. But while we were in the, the staffing firm business, she also was like, well, since we're doing well here, there's another side to this business, which is home health care. And I see those companies and she worked, she would work. And that's my, my mom is, is, I guess, pretty genius. She would work for them to kind of learn how they maneuver and get exposed to like where they get their contracts from, how, where, what's the money flow. And then she was like, all right, let's look into getting a license. So while we were in high school, we were working with license. The license didn't hit until 2001. Mm. But the staffing firm business was going well. I had expanded to Long Island. We didn't do anything with the nursing agency. I mean, with the home health care agency. It was just sitting there dormant. But something cool happened, which is New York State stopped issuing the licenses, right? They capped out the licenses. So we started getting phone calls to buy our license. And mm. the phone call first was $50,000, then it was $100,000, then it was 250000 then it was 400000 And we thought about selling it just to fuel the, the second firm. But it was like, wait, if we're getting offered four hundred k for this license to mm -hmm. operate, there's money here, right? And that's when we pivoted into home healthcare. So what was uh, what was the reason that New York State decided to stop issuing the licenses? Oh, the same reason why they're trying to scale back the agencies now. It's just too much oversight, right? So there's more than 2,000 agencies in New York, right? Every three years, we get surveyed by the state and they have to send three nurses to your agency to review your medical records so to do that to 2,000 agencies, you need a lot of you know, personnel. Mm. So it gets out of control every now and then where it's just too many people to monitor. So they're, they're actually trying to force a consolidation within the industry, shrinking the number of licenses that are out there so it's easier for them to, to, to maintain oversight. So, all right. So in, in, a, in a sense, you have the, the, the company where it's like a middleman in, in a sense. Staffing is actually really big. We haven't even talked about staffing on this podcast before, but so you recruit you recruit people um, for jobs pretty much. And staffing, you could do any you could do staffing in any type of IT staffing, nursing exactly. staffing, stuff like that. And then you you charge the hospital 
and they pay you and then you pay the difference. How lucrative can that like is there what's the profit margins on those? So it could be as much as 50% because it depends on what the hospital is willing to pay. In home care, the profit margin is about 11 to 13% because it's getting Medicaid dollars and, and the margins are small there. Just like the, the, the margin for a hospital is only 8%, right? Hospitals are functioning on 8% margin. But with staffing itself, it could be as high as 50 because it's, it's how desperate are they for staff and what are they willing to pay? So it, usually you're charging like a 30% markup over what you're paying your staff. That's so, kind of so, so 50, so 50%, the best case scenario, if they give you 200, you give the employee a hundred and you take yeah. it and you take it a hundred. Yeah. Clean. Clean. If, if, if that's what they negotiated, right? Yeah. So with the nursing cot, it's usually about 30% over because the hospital and the nursing facility is thinking, well, what do we pay our, our nurses? What about matching their, payroll taxes, right? That's another expense, their workers comp and their healthcare expenses plus PTO. So when you're trying to, you, you want to come in as close to their price or their overtime price as possible, because they're either going to mandate their staff to work overtime or they're going to use an agency. And if you come in for like a dollar or two less than what that figure is, it's now a savings to that facility and they'll be interested. So you can charge like 30 to 50% above because if it's at 50%, you know you're hitting the time and a half mark, mm. right? And they're still gonna, they're, they still may be short, so they still may go with you even though it's equal to their time and a half number. And that doesn't include the workers' comp and taxes that they're gonna have to pay as the employer, so. Can, can we go back to that 400,000, the offer for the license? Did you guys decide to sell or you decide, you know what, we got something great here, let's hold on to it? No, we got, that's what we decided. We got something great here, let's hold on to it. And, and at the same time, the, the market crashed. Mm. So in the staffing business, right, you have a contract that says, all right, you're going to pay me uh, $45 an hour for, for an LPN nurse. And I'm going to pay them and we're going to provide the service. But what ends up happening is that you have the terms that may be every 30 days, every 60, every 90. So you're front running the payroll until you get reimbursed on your invoice, right? You're not getting paid weekly from the nursing facility. They don't pay out weekly. So right before the market crashed, we were growing pretty aggressively and we had line of credits to float that money. So just like what's happening right now in this crash, the banks pull back on, on those line of credits. So we couldn't even provide as much services anymore. So I was like, well, what are we going to do? because now we can only provide like 30% of our services. And that's why we were even flirting with the idea of selling. Cause it's like, if we sold this for 400K that helps us, you know, have more buffer money. But, but then we thought like, well, the home health aides get paid less than nurses. So let's just start spooling up that side of the business, making, you know, a smaller spread, but we can grow this beyond. And, and people are thinking about paying, you know, almost half a million dollars for the license. There's got to be some money here. And that's where that pivot took place. Is, is that true for just for New York State? Or was that something that was happening throughout the country where licenses were being seized? Oh, no, no, no. That's that's New York State. Okay. Like right now in Florida, where, where I am, and expanding on, on my new venture, um, there isn't a moratorium of licenses. I'm applying for a license right now. Some states, I think Michigan, doesn't even have a license to operate. You could just start a home care agency without any oversight, which is kind of nuts to me because New York is heavily regulated. California, of course, heavily regulated. Um, so, you know, short answer is that it depends on your state. Okay. Yeah, because I was actually, um, so 
a friend of mine in Ohio, he has a, um, a health clinic and um, he was kind of explaining it to me. And it was it was crazy because he was saying like with the healthcare industry, the common mistake that people make is that they think that they actually have to be in the field to actually be, um, you know, an entrepreneur and like open a, a type of business. But you don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be a licensed doctor to have these type of business, right? Like that you have, like you're not a licensed doctor, right? No, I'm not a licensed doctor, but in most states, you have to have a licensed person, like either a nurse or a physician, on your founding team. If you're gonna if you're gonna do the a licensed home care agency, but as a staffing firm, you could turn around and start one tomorrow. So your mom was your mom filled that role, right? She was the nurse. Yeah, she was a nurse. So that's that's how it worked. <laughs> there it is. So you know, if you're thinking about getting into this business, like I get inquiries all the time on on, on my channel. It's like, how do I start? How do I start? So I started showing them step by step. This is how you do it. So step one, if you're going to go and become a home care agency, you got to just research your Department of Health website and find out, are they issuing licenses? What is the application process? And what are the rules and regulations, right? Because those regulations are going to dictate what your policies are and how your policies need to be drafted. And you're going to need to develop your policies when you're applying. It's actually pretty a pretty grueling process because you're you're doing like man like 400 pages of policies you, your forms that you're going to be using to do your assessments it's pretty intense but you can also hire a consultant to help you with that like right now in florida since i'm in a much better financial position than when we started <laughs> the whole care agency before um i'm just paying a consultant to, to handle the entire application process and working on building my team while while they're doing that piece rather than physically typing but from the staffing firm perspective you just need a you can get like a boilerplate generic staffing firm contract pull that up on google um determine what area you're going to focus on if it's going to be healthcare or nursing and then decide what your rates are going to be make sure you you're cushioning it at least 30 percent spread because your your uh, payroll taxes are going to you know cost you close to like 10 percent and then your workers' comp is going to be around six to seven percent, so then you're only going to be left with like twenty. So at least you charge a thirty percent markup if you're going to do that. But the process, you know, once you get licensed, is all about what relationships you you build and executing on on your marketing strategy so that you're finding those those patients. But on the staffing firm side, the process is call the nursing home, call the hospital, speak with either the administrator or the director of nursing and say, I am a staffing firm, I'm looking to provide services, do you need coverage? Best time, summertime. Why? Because people are going on vacation, they're going to be short, right? So that's when people are going to be desperate, and they'll say, hey, you know what? Um, sure, you know, send us, over your, send us over your contract, and we'll have it reviewed. The first contract that I got when I expanded in Long Island took me about maybe two weeks of phone calls. I just literally downloaded Nassau County nursing homes and I just picked up the phone. Cold, call, years cold call. Cold call. Cold call. Yep. Cold calling. You created the contracts yourself or you sat down with a lawyer? How, how did that process work? Oh, she, she took, she, my mom took a copy of the contract that her nursing home was using <laughs> and I just retyped it. Your mom's a hustler. Yeah. Shout out to mom. Yeah, she's, she's, she's got hustle to her. She definitely does. All right. Well, in the next segment, we want to talk more about the business and also about the acquisition that you guys um, 
I know you were saying off camera that somebody had offered you some money and you looked at that and because we like to talk about stories like that on EYL because these are things that the general public does, does not know and isn't privy to. So, um, yeah, we're going to talk some more in depth about the healthcare field in the next segment. All right. So um, in this in this segment, we're going we're going to talk some more about some actionable items. Um, this is what everybody loves EYL for. So we, you have two different businesses with the staffing firm and the nursing. But first, I want to talk about staffing. So. For people, because that you said that's that's probably like the more practical thing that um, really anybody can can do as a staffing firm, and like I said, it's a, staffing firms are big on a variety of different levels, not just the medical. All over, staffing firms are extremely big, and pretty much it's just bridging a gap where somebody needs work and their employees that are skilled to work, but they don't they got to come together. So the staffing firm's job is to find the qualified employees and match them with good employers. So what what are some steps if somebody wants to start their own staffing firm? Okay, so I'm gonna try to break it down as simple as possible. If you're gonna be starting a staffing firm, the first thing that you're gonna to need to do is get your hands on just a basic staffing contract, okay? Get a contract, review that contract, and part of that contract is gonna have a fee schedule, right? This is what you're charging for the positions, right? So if you're starting with nursing, Start with a fee schedule for RNs, a fee schedule for LPNs, which are licensed practical nurses, and then for nurse aides, because that those are the most utilized workers in a nursing home or in a hospital, right? So that's that's one thing that you want to have. But you're going to do your market research next to know what is a nurse commanding as far as salary, what is an LPN commanding as far as salary, and the nurse aide, right? So that you know what you're supposed to be paying out specific to and each then, state that you're in specific to so. specific to the state that you're in yeah specific to your region okay right? even in new york region right you know, new york city is going to charge higher rates than buffalo exactly right so you have to just research your local market just to know what does it you know how much are you going to be paying because that's going to dictate how much are you going to charge because you obviously need to cover that you're going to need to cover payroll you're going to need to cover workers comp and then you're going to need your profit margin, right? So I advise that whatever the local rates are, charge a minimum of 30% more or, you know, as much as double because it depends on, once again, the need of that position. So once you have your contract set, the next thing that you should do is obviously incorporate yourself, right? Either go the LLC route or the corporation route um, just so that you have an entity and some sort of barrier between you and, and, and liability, right? That's the purpose and also the tax benefit. So make sure you go out there and incorporate yourself. You can do that on legal zoom. I use a service called Bloomberg Excelsior. I'll send you guys the link. You know, I like working with them. They're quick and they'll set up your corporation within a day or two. They'll even apply for your tax ID number, all the things that you need to be, you know, recognized as a business, right? And that cost in New York is going to be anywhere from like 300 if you're doing a corporation to like almost 2000 if you're doing an LLC because of the, the publication fee that's associated with that because LLCs have to you know publish that they're coming into existence. So once you have your contract and you have your entity set up and you have you know, open up a bank account in your entity's name, the next thing that you should do is probably hire a few people, right? Do, get your application. You can pull up any generic application online, but you're going to need to get an application so you can actually onboard and have a pool of providers, nurses, nurse aides, LPNs, whatever you're going to be hiring. And, you know, once you do get a hit, 
you're going to be able to staff. You don't want you don't want to get into contract to provide staff and you got the staff, right? Mm, right. So yeah. it, I think if you're a healthcare professional, it, it might make the most sense to staff yourself, be one of the people that gets dispatched. So at least you know that you could fill in certain gaps if you get that immediate call that you could work that shift yourself. How many people how many people are you putting on the team to start? Are we doing like two or three, including yourself? So you got a four person team? And in a, if you're starting a, a staffing firm? Yeah. I would at least three in each position that you're that you're marketing. Okay. So at least you have, you know, some depth to your to your staff. All right. So we had RN, LPN, and then healthy. So that would be nine people? Yeah. Got you. So how do, how do you um because like there's a shortage of, of nurses right now in New York and um there's like they're like begging nurses to come from all over the country, right? So this is like a perfect if somebody had a staffing agency for nurses right now, it'd be perfect. But like how do you find the the candidates? Like I'm and sure track talent. Okay. So first you gotta just public you gotta post on whatever you can. Indeed, LinkedIn. Facebook jobs, wherever, Craigslist, just post that you're hiring. And the thing is, people, nurses, I know, most nurses I know are working two jobs, right? They're usually the top earner in their household, especially in our community. They're working two jobs, sometimes three jobs. So they're always looking for jobs, right? Because one, they, their jobs exist and they're always looking. But if you dangle a carrot like higher rates than what they're normally getting paid, then that also attracts them. So let's just say the average was 30, but you're paying 33. Then nurses who are working for some other agency or at, they'll give up their part-time job and work with you for a little more money. So you're making a smaller spread, but you're attracting the talent that way. What What is, um, what makes a, a candidate qualify? What are, what are the things they need? Um, I'm assuming experience or maybe not in this type of crisis. Yeah, sometimes not even experience. Uh, license, they, they need to have it, most most people in healthcare need to be licensed, right? So RNs are licensed, LPNs are licensed, nurse aides have a certificate, home health aides have a certificate. So they obviously need to be meet whatever the guidelines are for the state. They also need to have uh, an up-to-date physical, which shows that they're immune to measles, mumps, rubella, rubiola, chickenpox, varicella, that they also are TB negative, so they can't have active tuberculosis, mm-hmm. um, and that they're what's called you know safe and fit to work okay so that physical needs it's done annually all healthcare workers working in direct contact with patients have to have an annual physical so their physical needs to be up to date but every nurse and everybody in the, in the field knows that so either they're getting the physicals done at the job and they can get their physicals from their job or they just get their physical from their doctor but once they have that they have the application they filled out their w2 forms or the 1099 forms if they're, uh, or W-9s if they're gonna be 1099, um, and they have their medical clearance, and they have, you have a copy of your license, that's what you would consider a profile for that, for that nurse. Of course, their resume helps, but most of the time, they're not even asking for the resumes at, because they're so behind. It's just like, does this person have at least one year's experience? Typically, is what they're looking for. So you would also look for that, but sometimes you might have a new nurse who, has maybe eight years experience as a nurse aide that understands how things move in a nursing facility that they'll be willing to to take as well. Sometimes they orient them at the facility and really it's really case by case, but at minimum physical license or certificate and uh, 
identification and you know eligibility work in the United States. Are, are there terms out. after you you find a candidate that they have to stay with with the company for six to twelve months, or does that exist in, in this in the staffing agency? Yeah, it can. Um, if you if you have that agreement with the worker, and usually within the contract, you have like a provision that they can hire that person after one year if they pay you X percentage of that person's salary. If not, they can't hire that person. So it's also a way for them to kind of vet and recruit talent to a certain extent. Yeah. So, so in, in that, in that sense, right, let's say that they made a hundred thousand, if they want to hire them after the year, you take a percentage of that. So you like, maybe yeah. I get 5%, 15, so, okay. 15 to 20. So that's 15, 15,000 if we make it a hundred. Yep. Okay. Got you. Okay. <clears throat> so the staffing, how lucrative is staffing? Okay, so before we pivoted to to home care, we we're doing about a million a year in revenue, and like the net margin was about twenty percent. So we're seeing two hundred grand profits. It's enough to 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 earn on. It wasn't it wasn't what it what it was for, for like how it is for home care. Um, but we never got to the point like as far as size yeah. that we did with the home care agency. So, um, so pivoting to pivoting towards home care. So home yeah. care is, is more, is way more lucrative in your opinion. In uh, no, they're, they're, I think, I think they're equally lucrative. Okay. Um, it's just that the, the funnel is different okay. and, and there's a, a larger barrier to entry. So, you know, there's with that, of course, there's, there's money, right? There's fewer of you, there's fewer providers and there's still a need. So we were able to scale that aggressively because you know, a home health aide only needs to train for 80 hours, right, to get a certificate. And that means that there's there's a lot of them out there. So we're able to scale up the number of people that we have faster than a bunch of, a bunch of nurses. To get 300, 400 nurses is a lot harder to do than to get 300 or 400 home health aides. So to be a home health because aide, to be a home health aide, what, what do you have to do to become... It's, it's an 80 hour course. So it's, you know, body mechanics, how do you care for a patient, you know, making sure that the water isn't too hot. So you're not burning a patient when you're giving them a bath. Safe technique. And, and, any, any, anybody can do that? As long as they're legal to work in the United States. Yep. So that's, like, that's actually, when we talk about the business side, but that's actually a job opportunity, I guess, as well for people that might need, need work, right? Yep. And in New York, they're they're making anywhere between fifteen and twenty dollars an hour. Yeah, and the, so, and the, the qualifications are uh, like two what? week training program. That's it. Two week training program, and then also physically background fit. check. Background check. Yep. So all right, so you guys scaled that up pretty pretty aggressively, and then you were saying that um you got a, a offer to sell the company. Yeah. So all right. So. <laughs> So right now we're doing like for 2019, we did about uh, just under $12 million in annual rev. And I got a mailer, right? From somebody who was like, are you looking to sell? So I was like, well, let me, let me, let me entertain this and see what numbers are throwing around, right? So it was actually an agent who, who I, a mergers and acquisitions agent who brokers businesses. So he sat with me and he was like, we could get you 50% of your annual revenue. And I was like, all right, so talking about, you know, between five and $6 million sale based on where we were at that year. I was like, all right, cool. So they brought in uh, 
a, I'm not sure if I, I got to see the terms and conditions of the contract, so I'm not going to say their name, but they brought in a, a publicly traded uh, home care agency that was acquiring agencies like mine, right? And they reviewed our case mix and how much money we were making, and they made an offer that was consistent with, with that. So it's like, okay, I was, my trader background, I started looking up the financials of that company and looking at how they were organized. And I saw that they were trading at, uh, at 60 times earnings, right? They had a, they had a 60 PE. And I then looked at how many cases they have. And they have like 30,000 lives under management in the country. And I was like, all right, well, we have 300 patients. So we would just need to get, you know, a hundred times larger, right? And what would that take and how could we do that? And I was like, well, they're trying to buy us at like five times earnings, but they're trading at 60. This is a, this is a no brainer. They brought in another company as well. Not, 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 not a public trade company, another, another suitor. And they're like, yeah, I was like, what is your strategy here? What's, what's the, what's the game plan? The guy was like, We've already taken another. Uh, we've already taken another company public. All we do is aggregate companies and go public. That's that's our model, right? It's like we've done it in fashion, and now we're doing it in healthcare. So they were trying to offer me four times earnings, and I'm. I know that the publicly traded company is trading at sixty. So it's just a matter of getting financing and going out there and gobbling up smaller and mid-sized agencies. So that you get the numbers to go public, and then you're gonna you're gonna make 12x return on what you just bought, because all you're doing is buying functional agencies, putting them under one umbrella, stripping back duplicated jobs. Like you don't need a bunch of CFOs; you have one CFO in your company, right? So they just aggregate and go public. And I was like, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't sell, right? Maybe this is not the direction to go in. Maybe the direction to go in is emulate that model and and start thinking about, you know, expanding the business into different markets and expanding the business in a way that, you know, we're on a trajectory to go public. And that's what I'm doing now with Aidbug. So you, you turned down six million and to scale your own business. Yeah. So so what so so all right, so Aidbook. What is what does that include as far as your new? So you said that okay, once you so, got that idea. Yeah, our our mission at, at Abook is really to just streamline the discharge planning process because hospitals hospitals are under pressure to discharge patients quickly and make sure those patients are readmitted. But what happens when somebody has pneumonia, goes home, doesn't pick up their medication? They don't know how to take the medication. They're not following a good diet. They regress, they relapse, they end up back in nursing facility. When that happens, the hospital gets penalized. So our mission is to streamline that process so that hospitals are discharging using our software solutions, right? Discharging to home care so that immediately we're picking up that patient, servicing them, making sure that someone's there to pick up their medication, take care of them, making sure they're not falling at home, making sure they're not regressing so they don't trigger back into the hospital and trigger that penalty. You, you, and by doing that, we're funneling ourselves with a lot of new referrals. You said the hospital- also solving that hospital's problem. The hospital gets penalized? There's like a fee or a fine that the hospital gets? Yep. What, what? The, there's, there's not a fee or a fine. They will subtract up to 
of their top line revenue for penalties on the following year. So let's just say the hospital is making a hundred million, mm-hmm. right? The hospital margin, 8%, right? So they only make an $8 million profit. Medicare will penalize them 3% on revenue and reimbursement, right? But their operation costs are still going to cost them that 92 million. So from going from a hundred million to 97 and having a, an underlying $92 million you know, cost to provide services, mm-hmm. they're only making $5 million. That's That's almost 40% loss in their bottom line if they get penalized. How, how many patients would it, would it take for like a hospital to get penalized for something like that to kick in? Actually, it, it's, it's like ratios. And so it depends on how many beds they have, how many, what, what disease processes, because they're targeting six disease processes pneumonia, uh, heart failure, cabbage, which is um, bypass surgery, complete joint replacement surgeries. So those are the ones that were like the, the high risk mm-hmm. because they're expensive to take care of. And it's, you know, you, the, the, the mentality of the government is we, we're paying you to fix them, fix them. You get what I'm saying? Like yeah. fix them, make sure that they're healthy. But at the same time, we're only paying you for four days for this hospital stay because that's the national average. So what is the what is the hospital doing? They need to get them out, or is they losing money? And they need to ensure that they don't come back. So our company is focusing on that transitional care and converting it into long term care for those who need it. Yeah, you're helping making sure they don't come back. We help them to make sure they don't come back and saving their revenue. Got you. And so, what's the business model? Because you said like eventually you want to take this public, right? So um, how is this different? from Avalanche and like, what do you, what do you see? How did you replicate what you saw the larger company do to you? Um, and how are you going to implement that and like really scaling Aidbrook? Is it to acquire other small size companies and bring them under the umbrella of Aidbrook or? Yeah. So, okay. So for me, what I, cause I've been trying to push my partners in the home care company in Avalanche to, to, to think about things on a, on a larger level, always. That's always been the case, right? I always wanted to push the business further. And what I realized is that they were going into business for the freedom that you know owning your own business allows, right? You could take vacation when you want, do what you want. And they, they were comfortable with what we're making there, right? So they weren't looking to push. They, they, they do want growth. They do want to make more money. But they're not willing to adjust their habits and mindset to to run multiple locations to expand into different states. They're not they're not there. So the first thing that I'm doing with Aidbook is assembling a team that has industry knowledge and in working in public companies and high. Uh, I I know where I'm at. Lights out. <laughs> Gotcha. Sorry about that. So, so what I'm doing at Aidbook is focusing on talent that has worked in publicly traded companies and just building our infrastructure with that mindset. So not only are we going to be using technology as and solving that problem for the hospitals to, to be a driver of growth in our business, but we will entertain you know acquisitions as well because as we get close, it, it makes more sense to. So let me let me put it this way. I believe that our software and aligning ourselves with the hospitals will allow us to grow by, you know, 100 patients per month, right? If I'm growing by by 100 patients per month in one city, 
then I need to set up in another city and grow an agency by 100 patients a month by employing the same software, the same marketing team to do that, right? So if I'm going into a new state, rather than go through this lengthy, you know, licensing process, which for Florida is going to take me uh, four months to have the license and then another six months to get Medicare approval. What I could do when I'm going into a new state and, and better capitalized, I could just start buying smaller mid-sized companies at five times earnings and just point our marketing engine to them and scale them up to 2,000, 3,000 patients per, per an agency per state. Once I get to like 12,000, 15,000 lives in the management, I have something that I can take to the public market or once again, step to a larger you know, conglomerate and say, look, we're growing at 1,000 patients per month. We don't see an end in our funnel. You're growing by acquiring companies, right? At five times earnings. If you just buy our system, that's already functional and, and fully aligned with, with the hospitals, then you're gonna grow at this rate in, perper in perpetuity, right? So why, why wouldn't you wanna buy this? And at the same time, I'll still be on the track to take the company public. So for me, the most important thing is an initial team that has that experience. So I've already poached some talent from Tupperware, and now I poached one person from, from uh, Emory, the hospital system in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And these are people who are interested in being involved in a startup with this, with this trajectory in mind, that within five to seven years, we're going to exit, and we're going to exit big. And we need to function this way and just replicating systems with that, that you would come to find in a publicly traded company. So you'll see that most publicly traded companies are, you know, will have one of the major accounting firms doing, doing their accounting or at least doing their audits like PwC, for instance. So from, from day one, our accounting structure has to be on point. Right, because that, that happens if you if you notice like when you're looking at like startups that are trying to go public, they some of them get jammed up because of accounting you know issues. It's because they didn't have their structure right, and now they got to get they got to spend two or three years getting their financials straight to then take the company public. So by building from from the very beginning with the mindset of this is this is how accounting is done in publicly traded companies. This is how much money is allocated to marketing spend versus revenue, having all those details and people who are familiar with those details, being on your team from the beginning is, is what you need. And also you're gonna need money to support that. A lot of, one of the mistakes that we make as, you know, as a community is we'll start a business with too little money, with our friends, with our family, and they're not skilled to take it to a certain point. And, and then we don't even have the discussion of what is the vision for the company? Where are we trying to go? What are we trying to do? How are we trying to get there? Are our visions aligned? Are our values aligned? That's big time. And those, those things you need to set. You need to set them from the beginning. If you don't, you're 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 going to be building a company on a shaky foundation. Yeah, that's. Or you're going to build a company that, you know, at a certain point it can't grow anymore because your 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 foundation isn't set. Yeah, that's big. I um, well, obviously, I've heard of assets under management. I never heard of lives under management before, but um. Uh, Makes sense if you're in the medical field. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that, like you said, I mean, you just outlined your vision. And I think that that's important for entrepreneurs, whether it's big, small, middle, whatever. Um, you have to have a vision. 
And it's like you already kind of have an idea in your mind. Nothing ever goes according to plan, but at least you have a roadmap of where you want your company to go. And that's more than half the battle right there. I think a lot of entrepreneurs are just winging it, winking up and just trying to figure it out day to day. Like they're literally living day to day. And times like this, it just really exposes that. And now you're in a financial crisis because you never really had a business plan. You just had, you know, figure it out mentality as you go. And that can only take you so far. Correct. It's it's a and the thing I'm lucky. Really, I'm lucky. Like just like 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 uh, like uh, uh, the the VC dude that was just on from Black Star. Oh yeah, Kwame. Yeah, shout out to Kwame, Kwame. and Cool. Yeah. yeah, Kwame. He when I was watching that, I was like, this is like my story, right? Because his father's a physician. He's helping out at the office. He's learning and he's watching and like like having that that information coming into your mind from that young you start to just like you say I, I think you say something if you start looking at a yellow car you start to notice more yellow cars yeah. right so if i already i'm looking at okay my mom's staffing business and i'm now i'm in the staffing business myself you start and i'm working in hospital so you start having your eyes open to where's the money moving how's it moving so certain things that will go over your head don't go over your head anymore mm-hmm. you, certain keywords immediately ring so it's, it's the same thing but what I see with a lot of people is that they either they don't have much, you know, entrepreneurial experience. They get it later in life, and they start just winging it. The best thing that you could do is, you know, hit one, one do like a a business a business template or a business model. Just look, just Google business model, and YouTube a business model video. It walks you through how you should be thinking about your business. The very first thing is, what is your value proposition? What are you offering? What problem are you fixing? Or what need are you addressing? What is, what is that in your company, right? So in, at 8book, what is our value proposition? We're dealing with this, this problem that hospitals have of patients being readmitted. And that's the problem that we're trying to solve. And we're going to monetize that by solving that problem and by being the service provider to those patients. Carl, how many, right. how many states are you operating in right now? Right now, well, New York, and yeah. then with 8book, it's going to be Florida. Florida. And I, when I'm, I'm thinking Florida, and I'm thinking like when you said you want to grow your, your uh, clients by 100 per, or 1,000 per year, you're in a state with the largest population, well, the oldest population in the country. Was that done intentionally? Uh, actually, not really. Um, because Florida, like in New York, we're, we're dealing mostly with Medicaid managed long-term care, mm-hmm. right? As the payer, Florida has a cap on how many waivers they, they, they put out, right? It's a, it's a red state mostly. Hmm. So they put out, you know, they do less spending. So a lot of the people here are, are self-paid, but I liked Florida because, you know, I'm going to be living part-time in Columbia. So it's a good midpoint between Columbia and New York. So it's, and it has international airports. The weather is good. So that's why I chose I chose Florida. But I'm going to be expanding into every state that has you know a thriving uh, home care community, like home care infrastructure. So Florida, North Carolina, uh, Texas, Atlanta or Georgia, um, um, Pennsylvania, California. So those are states that I would be willing to 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 enter because I know that they. The home care infrastructure is good 
There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. So in the last segment, we're going to talk about your software system. That's actually something. You got a lot going on. We're going to talk about, on your, time, software. On time. Talk about your software system, and then we're going to bring it home with everything that you got going on now. So, yeah. So we're going to talk about your software system. But before, one one quick question about the um, your company. So how do you raise money? Because, I, I, I you know, it's probably a lot as far as the expenses to, to run um, these type of organizations. Because you say you even have to pay up front, then you get reimbursed on the back end. So... Um, finance yeah. finances is always the biggest hurdle for any business for the most part. So how yeah. do you, how do you raise money? How do you have money coming in on a consistent basis to, to float your, your operations? Okay. So in looking at the staffing business that started with $5,000, 5k. And obviously that's undercapitalized, right? Because what ended up happening is that, all right, we're, we're we're limited to how much services we can provide. Some people were waiting a month to get paid because we were getting paid on a monthly basis. So first was like the most traditional people, you go to a bank, you apply for a line of credit, right? But that's only gonna be if you have business history, right? And that they feel that you're credit worthy. But with time, those lines of credit, it was tapping 401ks, it was tapping friends and family. And that's usually where most people start with either basic credit cards or or getting money from the bank right but they're not lending much and it's not enough to really turbocharge your company it wasn't until i was trading stocks and building you know a tech company that i started to understand that starting with friends and family money is cool it's fine it's you know it could get you started starting with little credit cards and bank money is enough to get you started but if you're really gonna try to expand your business, you're going to have to raise money from, from institutional investors, right? From VC firms, from angel investors. And their entire business model is to identify solid companies, pump money in with the intention solely to scale them, right? You, that, that's a little different than starting uh, from scratch, right? Because it's sometimes, all right, so in the world, in the in the startup world, right? And it's not just tech startups, because any, obviously any industry could be a startup, but in the startup world, your first objective is to develop an MVP, right? Your, your minimally viable product. And that's the first thing that you need to finance, right? Prove that you have a product or service that the market is in demand for, prove that you can monetize it. That's the first thing that you should raise money for. And if you're gonna do it with your credit cards and with friends and family money, that's the time because you don't you don't necessarily have to go out there and, and form a business. You just have to prove that you have a product or service that people are willing to pay for. Once you can prove that with this product or service, it costs you know ten thousand dollars a month to operate, but it generates fifty thousand dollars of uh, of money, like annual profits. Once you can prove that relationship, that money in doing this thing produces money out at a multiple larger than money in, you can take that 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 little company to market and start raising money from angel investors and venture capitalists. And there's going to be different there's going to be different levels of them, right? There's going to be there's going to be like Brooklyn what is it Brooklyn Bread Ventures, right? Uh, Charlie Charlie O'Donnell is the is the guy who heads that fund. He likes to deal with companies that are at that seed level, that first investment, usually 500,000 to a million in, in capital. 
Then there's like the Series A, Series B, and, and so on. And some, so there's some VC firms that only get in at that pre like, like two hundred million dollar minimum. Like we don't look at any company that doesn't require two hundred million dollars or more, right? So it's all about what where you're trying to go. But the first, the first that seed funding of that that anywhere from half a million dollars to like one, 1. 1.5, there's, there's VC firms that specialize in just that. Then there's VC firms that specialize in, in the different sectors. Some are healthcare focused, some are technology focused, some are industry agnostic. It, it really depends. But you need to have some sort of traction, some sort of proof that your business is growing. And I learned that by, by doing my tech startup because I was like, all right, I know I'm gonna need money to fuel this thing. And in going to like tech startup meetups, listening to the conversations, going to pitching events where you're actually, you know, competing to raise money or you're even just practicing your, your pitching, you hear what the, what the VC firms are interested in. What's the cost to acquire a user? What is that user worth? How much, how much is the cost to acquire a user and what's the lifetime of a user? What's the value proposition here? That they're gonna ask you those questions. And sometimes you need to be asked that question so you could go back to your computer, hey, Google what the hell Right, right, you. right, right, right. <laughs> and then you, you end up start you end up creating what they're asking for. We need you to look like this. They you know, in the startup world they always talk about the hockey stick. They want your growth to be the hockey stick, right? Gradual growth, or or if you just look at the that's viral, right? Look at COVID nineteen, right? That's truly the definition of going viral. Look at the curve. Literally. What were the numbers? And then it's exponential. Yeah. That they're they're looking to see that you're on that trajectory, that there's going to be that level of absorption. So once you start looking at VCs uh, to answer that question, how do you raise money? How do you get the money? Once you start looking at them, it forces you to become, you know, a builder of a business because they want they want your business to succeed, but. They, they can identify that you're on shaky grounds. So they want your foundation to be tight. They want your team to be tight. They want there to be traction. They want the market size to be large enough. And those are the things that they're interested in. So um, as far as your, your software system, on-time ITS, mm -hmm. can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. So on-time ITS was born out of me doing my, my fashion tech company, right? My ex-wife was interested in fashion, she had this idea, and I was like, you know what, Let, let's do it. So I found some web developers in India, started building that fashion tech, built a fashion application, and I'm going around now as, this is a break from, from healthcare, because I got kind of tired of it, it's been my whole life. So I'm going around, function as the CEO of, <laughs> of this tech, fashion tech startup, and I went to an accelerator, and an accelerator is, uh, is kind of like a, a VC firm, where they take you from concept, to the point where you start to raise your first round. So they, they force, they mentor you, they, they coach you, they give you your initial money, they take like 8%, right? They fund you maybe 100,000, take 8% of the company from jump, and then they start telling, they start modeling you so you can get that initial traction, and then they take you to market. The final, you graduate from an accelerator on pitch day. So there's Techstars, there's ERA, which is the one that I'm talking about, there's there's uh, uh, there's there's tons of them, right? And there's some some are in New York. A lot of them are in San Francisco. So I was starting to go through that circuit, right? Learning about the startup culture, learning how to raise money. So I go to I'm I'm pitching at uh, 
at, to ERA. And the, the principal there is, his name is Murat. Murat's like, I'm looking at your resume. I'm looking at your history. You're, you're obviously proven as an entrepreneur. What the hell are you doing in fashion? Why don't you solve a problem in healthcare? And that's something I could get behind because that's, that tells a better story. I, I could see that story. I don't see your connection. I don't see your understanding of fashion. This is, this, this is a good idea, but do you have relevant experience in that field to, to really see it through? And he was like, solve something in healthcare. So then I'm thinking back to my home care agency and I'm like, you know what's really annoying? Timesheets. Mm. We're functioning on paper timesheets where the home health aide went to the patient's house, worked for the week, patient signs off, because that's something that the state requires. They need proof that the service was provided, notes, that sort of thing. So I was like, that timesheet, they have to bring it in by the deadline on a certain date so that they can get processed on time for payroll. And if they bring it in late, they're still upset that they didn't get paid. So I was like, this is a, this is a nightmare. So I was like, you know what? Let me, let me create a mobile uh, application that allows my home health aides to capture their timesheet on, on their cell phone, right? And that's where OnTime was born. So OnTime is a, a home healthcare practice management solution that allows you to, to handle time and attendance, payroll, scheduling, billing, um, and we're now building uh, the uh, medical records portion, right? So that nursing, nurses' notes, et cetera, because that's still on paper yeah. for our company. Um, and that's a that's a, a solution that I'm going to provide to social adult daycare, which is another part of the home care hustle, um, to home care agencies, and a version that's like uh, industry agnostic as well, with time and attendance for any mobile worker. So if it's the cable guy, then he could punch in that I'm at this work site, I got here, and get paid that way. So that's what on time is. How long did it take to, to build out um, that platform? Well, I've been building that since I've been building that since 2015. So the time and attendance, the first iteration of of on time, probably took about six months, mm-hmm. and then that was built on a shaky foundation, and we figured that out later. Um, then we rebuilt it, so this is like version two of of the system. But the first version was time and attendance, and, and that's it. Then we built time and attendance and scheduling. And then we started, then we added billing because billing is done, you know, on, on these forms. It's a very repetitive process, manually put in the wrong billing code. Mm-hmm. You get rejected. You don't, you won't know it until 30 days from there. So it was like, you know what, this is another problem within the company that we need to fix is we need to automate the billing process so that it's accurate and it's end to end. So the home health aid punches in, it registers in your system, you run payroll by just selecting the date range. Payroll is processed and ran. And then you do the same thing. You select the date range, the insurance company, process, billing is done. So I'm able to, to function with far less staff, right? I got less administrative staff. I also outsource part of my staff to Venezuela and, and Colombia. Yeah. So I have some of my support there as well. So, you know, and, and that was made possible by software. So. Simple question, you could probably create a software solution in three to six months So you, um, I, and then expand on it how, however you need to. I, I was reading on, on, the, on the platform that there's a GPS component. How, how does that work? Okay, so the patient lives somewhere, right? Yeah. So the patient gets entered in 
into the system and they get a GPS point for their home. The aid can only punch in when they're within like six meters of that point. Mm. So that verifies, first of all, that they were there, right? Mm -hmm. They can't pull the patient's name. They can't do anything without being on site. So that's the GPS component. So right. it's, it's like geofencing. It's, it's by using their GPS coordinate, this person is able to take an action only when they're at that same point. And so I, they I, just have to turn on their GPS on their phone, register their location, punch in. It confirms the location and allows them to mark off what they've done. They give the patient a bath. Reminders, you could also tell them what they need to do for the day. Yeah, I would assume that also helps in attendance, right? If somebody says they're at the location, you can 1,000% prove that they were and how long they were, the duration of time. So exactly. that, that helps out in the billing process too. <laughs> Nobody's going to get overpaid or underpaid for what they did. Correct. And also, and it, also um, the thing I really like about the whole story is that it's like you found, this is a common theme with guests from our podcast, is that you found the need in the industry that you was already at and it's like when people say like multiple streams of income and it's like the same thing with like multiple businesses and different ideas. It's like you don't have to do something completely different from what you're already doing. You're already in the industry. You see a need for it. And it's like, okay, well, why not just create a software that can help out? But it's like now you've created not only multiple revenue streams, but also you stay within your pocket. Like you're not doing something completely foreign from what you're already doing. Because you actually saw it, you you're in the you're in the industry. You see that there's an issue with processing payments and all that stuff. So it's like, okay, now not only will it help the industry and make things more efficient, but it's also another source of revenue as well. And I, even on a on a micro level, uh, regular everyday people can just you know think about that as like you know you have a job and it's like okay, well how can I if I want to start a business, I don't have to do something completely different from my job. I already know what I'm doing for a living, so. Maybe, you know, my side hustle is going to be a branch off of my job. Mm -hmm. Like, like you right. said, like you, like Troy says all the time, if you're a teacher, you know, why not be, why not start a, a tutoring company, right? Like you already teach science. So you know that there's a problem with kids in STEM and there's not enough science teachers and kids don't understand science properly. Right. So why not, you know, have a tutoring program? Why not have an after school program? Write a book. Why not have a summer? Why not write a nope. book, right? This isn't far from what you're already create, doing create a protocol that's that proves that by studying this way check this out for 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 you create a protocol that says if students do x y and z they see a 20 percent increase doing this thing that that i've created they see a 20 percent increase in their stem scores right prove that in your school and then now you got something right there that you can sit there and say, hey, 20% increase, I'm gonna sell this to every school, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this protocol is proven to do this and schools are interested in having their scores increased. Yeah. And, you got, and you got something right there that's that's fundable. And it could be something as simple as a game. You just yeah. have to prove it. That's a fact. And your software is proprietary, correct? Yep. So are we going to, I mean, scale this where we're actually selling it, the software to hospitals and healthcare agencies as well? Yes. That's next. So, okay, so to, to give you the full, I'm going to give you the full play. And, okay. I, and I don't care because, you know, if anybody who's listening outcompetes me, right, with my own idea, that's my problem, right? Yeah. And, that, and that means that they're extraordinary as well. And that's probably somebody I want to meet. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep, so yep, yep. I'll give, you the, I'll give you the full story. 
So the software allow, on time allows me to run my operation very lean, right? So I'm trying to bring everything onto the platform so I eliminate paper, eliminate a lot of overhead, and I could continue to outsource more and more of my talent to you know countries where the, the wages are cheaper, right? So that's 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 what's happening with on time. I could license that out to you know my competitors so that they could become more efficient, and I and I'm gonna charge and I charge per patient, right? So mm. when you grow, my bottom line grows, right? But I also have an idea to franchise my business as well, because I get I get so many inquiries of how do I start? Can you consult me? You know, and I and I hit up, I tell them straight up. I was like, based on how much I make now, right? I need to charge you a thousand dollars an hour for my time, right? And I know that's a lot of money, but that's what I need to charge you because that's how much I'm earning, right? So if I'm going to move my attention from what I'm doing. This is what it has to be. You get what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I get a lot of those inquiries and they're like, you know what? How can I monetize this, right? In, in a larger way. And it's like, maybe I, I need to, to franchise a book so that if they, they're either going to start a staffing company or they're going to start a home care agency, hey, they're going to expand my brand. I'm going to earn 3% on their, on their revenue or whatever the case may be. They're going to use my software. That's another fee. Um, and I can turn, when, it, when, I'm t- when it's time for me to acquire or expand, I could either acquire what I've created because they're functioning on the same infrastructure as me, and I could buy them out at five times earnings. And when I'm ready to go, just start buying back what I've already seeded. You know, I mean that's that's one of the plays that I have in mind. So, you know, on the other side, like I said, our core focus, our core vision, and the problem that we're solving with Aidbook is to solve that discharge planning process, right? So that's a, that's a that I'm I'm just using the Google Play. Here's the software for free. It's proven to reduce your readmission rates, but all that does it serves their bottom line, right? But all that does is allows me to collect all the referrals. So as I'm proving that this software reduces your readmission rates, right? And all of your referrals are all these all these six diseases are guaranteed to be discharged through my solution. I control all the referrals. I don't want to even charge them for that. I can, but I, I control all the referrals. So I can route them to my franchisees. I can route them to myself and grow massively because I control your referrals and it's free. And it's, and it's, and it's, service, it's serving a basic need for your hospital. Okay. So that's, that's a full play. So that's why for me, it's, it's, it's as simple as, you know what? If I only succeed in Miami and I don't expand and I don't whatever, I definitely could create what I what I have in New York, right? I could bump that off for a few million dollars. I could probably get to to maybe four times the size in just my market, and then maybe I sell for twenty five million. But I'm pretty damn sure that I'm going to get to the point that I'm saying that I'm going to get to, and then I'm going to have you know maybe a one point two billion dollar exit, and that's and that's the thinking, and that's and that's what I have in mind. It's like how do I reach? Like when you think about the this thing about the virus, right? You got to spread that thing, right? So that it comes in contact with more people and that causes to spread more and more and more. So you have to kind of set up these little cells or kind of transmit all over the, the country to see real growth. You can't just saturate your one market. So that's the idea for me. It's like, all right, prove this concept, get it into hospitals, go to the next hospital, say hospital 
one is using this and their readmission rates are down and it's free. Just use our system. Then going to the next city, again, like for me, the plan is Fort Lauderdale, Miami, Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville. If I prove, if I prove it there, and, and I'm, I'm going to prove it there, but when I prove it there, then it's back to the venture capital firms and saying, hey, look, we're now growing at 500 patients a month in Florida or whatever the number is. Um, we're planning on doing the same thing in these 10 states, but what we're going to do, we're going to acquire X amount of home care agencies, right? We're going to do it through, through a roll-up strategy. So we're going to buy one in New York or one in Philly, one in Chicago, whatever markets I want to get into. Um, I'm going to buy them at 100 or, or 200 patient sizes, so they're like you know, $2 million acquisitions apiece. So I need $50 million to do that. And I'm going to just use the same engine that, that I'm using in Florida with our discharge planning tool to scale those operations up. We're going to do that for two years. That's what the $50 million is for or whatever the amount is. We're going to do that for two years. We should grow to this point. Once we're at this point, we're going public. Done. It's, it's a no-brainer because the VC firm, they're looking, they're looking for a 10x of their money, right? So if they, if they, if they invested a million dollars, they're, they're looking for a company, let's say they invested a million dollars to buy 20%, right? They're hoping that that 20% is going to one day be worth 10 million, right? Yeah. So for that 20% to be worth 10 million, your company is going to need to be to be what? For a $50 million company, right? So the guy who's investing when you're at a 50, when you're at a $50 million company and they're investing, I don't know, $50 million, they're looking to get out for $500 million, right? So what kind of company are you that you can raise $50 million? Is, is a $500 million exit possible for me, right? So 20%. So this needs to be a $2 billion company for me to make the numbers that I'm looking for. But I'm showing them this company is trading for its market cap is two billion, and they have thirty-three thousand lives. So if I'm growing at you know a thousand lives a month or a thousand lives a year, let's just say, in in ten markets, that's ten thousand a year. I'm going to get to that point. So yes, of course, your fifty million dollar infusion will help me be worth two billion dollars one day, and that's when we're going to get out. That's when you get paid, and that's when the first guys get paid, and everybody. Everybody, that's, that's a big party. That's the that's the that's the play. That's the route. Like, so shout out to my man more right? Everybody like, east. You gotta run a route, and um, you just you just outlined your route. And in worst case scenario, he's like, I sell for a couple million at the worst. Best case, yeah. two point one billion. It's a good, you know, it's a good situation yeah, to be in. You're gonna be sure. number seven. We 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 put up an article. It was like six. Black billionaires in the country. You're going to be number seven. There it is. And we're going to say, earn your leisure. <laughs> this here first call, man. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Um, can you Why tell can you, can you tell the people, uh, you know, if they want to contact you or, you know, any, uh, you know, initiatives that you have going on, stuff like that, social media? Absolutely. So if, I guess there's a few people that I would like to reach out. Okay. So if if you're interested in in starting a healthcare, or especially a home care agency or, or a staffing firm, I'm doing a video series on my YouTube channel, ENTP Life. It's shot right here. So I'm going through step-by-step, step, how do you do that? So if you're interested in that, just follow me on ENTP Life. That's Echo November Tango Papa Life, ENTP Life. You'll find it. I'm guessing you guys will share a link. So that's 
for you guys. Um, like I said, if you're looking for consultations, it's going to cost you. So if you have any questions, the best thing to do is leave them in the comment section so I can answer them for everybody. And that's why I'm doing it. It's like I get these questions and I can't keep losing time. That's why I was doing it for real estate, too. It's like, how do you flip a house? Like, man, here's the video, man. Watch that and you'll, you'll get it. <laughs> so, so for anybody who's interested, just watch. Leave your questions and comments. I, I answer them and I'll answer them in the video. Sometimes I'll do lives with people. If they're asking a particular question, I say, if you if you can't pay the consultation fee, then let's create the content together. Share your questions, and I will answer maybe other people's questions. So that's for, for them. For people who are interested in, I guess, joining the team, potentially, like, hey, I, I'm interested in, in the story. Uh, I have this level of expertise, and they, they kind of want to work with me in some way, or, or they need software or anything like that. Just, I guess, go to uh, aidbook.com and use the contact form. Um, so that's, and I, I spelled it aidbook with two A's in the front, just so it can sort higher on the list, right? So that would be the first, like, there's, there's always directories of the, the providers in the state. So I was like, how do I be the first name on the list? I put two A's in front of my thing, and I'm guaranteed to, to be on, at least one of the first to, to get called if somebody's just randomly looking it up so it's a book with two a's so a a i d e book.com there's a there's a contact form you can go there uh, i think the the site should have been posted up yesterday um so depending on when you release this will dictate you know what what's going on there but they could go there um and if there's any investor listening or watching this and you're curious to, to learn more um, then please reach out to me, let me know who you are, what you're looking for, and we can have a conversation about where Aidbook is going as a company and why I think it's a winner and why you probably want to put some dollars behind this. Um, at some point, like I guess in the next maybe six months, I'll probably be doing a, a fundraising round. Um, so that will include friends and family, right? Because I'm allowed to raise from 35 non-accredited investors. Um, so I'll do a friends and family round for people who are interested in that. Um, and then, uh, probably raising anywhere from one to 3 million for the, for that first, for that first knot to prove the concept in, in Florida. Um, so if you guys are interested in that and want to kind of know when that is happening, then just reach out and we could continue to, uh, to, to talk about it. All right. Troy, how's yeah, it going? Yeah, man. Shout out to everybody. Big shout out to everybody on Patreon.com. That is our Proud to Pay program. As you know, we have five different tiers. I want to give a big shout out to my man, Dave. Uh, we had a great conversation, man. He's looking uh, to help us out. He's a tier five member, so we called him. Um, and we had an amazing conversation, like I said. And Rosetta, who just joined at tier five, looking forward to talking to her. Um, and as you know, tier four and five members, you have access to EYL University. And EYL University has been on fire, man. We have been adding so much content we've been doing youtube lives um exclusive things man so if you're on there uh thank you and we appreciate your support and everybody that's been supporting on the merch um we appreciate that on earnyourleisure.com and and everybody that has joined our real estate our private real estate group man that is going crazy right now shout out to mg the mortgage guy our brother who's been running that for us man it's been going crazy so everybody that's just been supporting during these times uh we really appreciate y'all yeah, the merch, um, 
The merch is out. We're going to add more hoodies. These are exclusive what me and Troy got <laughs> yeah, on right yeah, now. Yeah. But we're going to add more hoodies to the collection for the spring. And, yeah, everybody stay safe first and foremost and stay encouraged, stay positive. It's difficult times right now for a lot of people. But, you know, this is a time to educate yourself and use, use your quarantine time um, wisely because at some point, you know, God willing, we will be able to get back to business as normal. But, yeah. you know, what you have learned and what you applied from what you learned during this time will be very important. And yeah, EYL University um, is, is yeah something that we're excited about. And um, we really ramped that up um, in the last couple of weeks. We got a private Facebook group for real estate um, headed by MG, the mortgage guy. And yeah, it's just EYLUniversity.com. You can go there and all the information is there. Yeah. And big, big shout out to everybody that's been tuning in to our catalog of episodes. I, I see a lot of people posting since they have a lot of time now that they're home. They've been listening to the back episodes. They've been watching on YouTube. Shout out to everybody that's on YouTube. Um, we appreciate it, man. Like, like we said, use the time wisely. It's a great time to learn. Um, it's a great time to educate yourself. Yeah, and YouTube, shout out to YouTube. Um, we're doing two webinars um, every week now on Monday and Thursday. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's been really exciting. Live, live YouTube yeah, those are fun. Uh, <laughs> webinars. So the book tip of this week is Crucial Conversations, um, recommended by Carl. Uh, so, yes, once again, guys, thanks for rocking with us. Be safe out there. Be safe, y'all. Uh, we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.